Today's reading is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lowly earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Abby. Um, if you can keep your Bibles out, and if you have, actually have a physical Bible, I, I think it'll be helpful to you because we're going to go through uh, a lot of Ephesians um, together. But let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for the church. We thank you that you have died to institute it, to gather her as your bride. And Lord, we pray that by your word, you will make us clean and holy. You will set us apart today, even as we come to you today. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I like, the, I like Jesus, but not the church. Have you heard that before? I like Jesus, but not the church. That is the sentiment of many people in this world. Not only do some people dislike the church, they actually think that the church stands in the way in their relationship with God, that it's a hindrance, a positive hindrance towards them. And when people look at the church, sometimes they see hypocrisy, self-righteousness, rules, and maybe political alignment. I like Jesus, but not the church, they say. But Jesus loved the church. Jesus loved the church. It's Jesus who established the church on this rock. I will build my church, Jesus said. He died to establish it. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He is her head. Christ is head of the church, his body. Today's sermon is the penultimate in this series through the Apostles' Creed. And in this series, I mean, in this section, we're going to say something that is, I think, countercultural. We're going to say, I believe in the church. I believe in the holy Catholic church and the communion of saints. Because friends, we do believe in the church. That's what we say in the Apostles' Creed. 
Not in the same way as we believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but we believe that the God, that God, that tri- triune God is at work in the church. It's He who has established it. It's He who is, who is sustaining and sanctifying it. He who is displaying His wisdom and glory to the world through the church, through us. That is who we are. And that is a fundamental thing to our faith that we believe in the church. We are a church people. To be a Christian means to belong to a church. And so we say, I believe in the church. And in the Apostles' Creed, it calls the church, first of all, holy. Holy. The holy Catholic church. What, what, is, what, what, what uh, image comes up in your mind um, when you think of holiness? I grew up in high Anglican tradition, so I partly think of sort of the, the smells and bells, <laughs> or maybe monks, the monasteries, the people who are set apart in that way. And the, that is the basic meaning of holiness. Holiness is not uh, something that's sort of, um, I mean, holiness basically means being set apart, being set apart for a different kind of usage. I forgot to bring it. It's in my backpack. I'm <laughs> I brought a little toy um, from Barney, uh, Barney's toy. Uh, and that toy is just like any other toy that uh, you can buy in Toys R Us. You can go anywhere to buy Hot Wheels. But that toy itself is set apart. It actually has Barney's name sticker on it. It says Barney. It's set apart as Barney's toy. And the church in the Bible is never described as a building. It's described as a people who have been set apart by God for a different purpose, people who are marked as God's own. Now, Israel wasn't any better than other nations. In fact, it was so bad in the end, it had to be judged like any other nations. But for that time, they were set apart. They were still holy because they were set apart by God and marked as God's own. And we are marked as God's own, as God's own. And we are set apart. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, 3 to 5. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, uh, made us alive with Christ. We weren't any better, but God, because He is love, because He's rich in mercy, made us alive. He set us apart, and He breathed the Holy Spirit in us and marked us as His own. We were like everybody else, but now we are set apart by God. Friends, this is the basis by which we say that we are a holy people each week not because we are any better, but because God has set us apart, because God has marked us as his own through his grace and love. And of course, this does come with ethical demands. Uh, God commanded the Israelites, remember in Leviticus 19 too, be holy as I am holy. He is a holy God, so be like me, he says. And that's the basis by which Paul appeals to us As a prisoner for the Lord, then I appeal, I urge you to live a a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Because we have received this calling, we are to live a life worthy of that calling. 
We are to be distinct from this world. Before you lived in this way, but now I have delivered you as my own. We are to remember who we are, people who are set apart, people who are holy, and to live a life that is distinct, different from the world. So let me start from there. Friends, do you live lives that are distinct from the world, from your non-Christian friends? How do you live your lives differently from your non-Christian friends? One thing you might say is that you come to church on Sundays. That's a great start. That's a great thing. And I want to commend you uh, for that because in these COVID um, days, we can't take that for granted. Everyone, remember, during Jesus' time had no Sabbath. Everybody worked for seven days. But Jewish people took the risk. And remember, it was a risky thing not to work when everybody else was making more money, when everybody else was wor uh, were working harder to get ahead in life, they trusted in God's command. And they rested and they worshipped one day a week. And Christians, of course, do the same. We trust God and God's goodness. And so we know how to rest. We know how to worship, except that we do it on Sunday morning because this is Sunday morning is the day when we remember Jesus' resurrection, the most important day of the week. So we set ourselves apart by worshiping God, being faithful in worshiping, setting aside a day to rest and worship. So we are distinct in that way. But we are, we are not to live a life like Amish people, people who have separated themselves from the world and live in their commune by themselves. We're not to be like that. No, we are to be, remember, light of the world. Light shines in the darkness. We are to be like the salt of the world. Salt back then was used as preservative. That was its main usage. You know, in order for salt to actually act as salt, to work as preservative, the salt has to be not just sprinkled on top, but it has to be ingrained in, right? It has to be rubbed into the meat itself uh, without losing its saltiness. If it does not lose its saltiness, it will prevent the meat from going bad. Christians are to be out in the world, to be rubbed into every part of society, but maintaining while maintaining it, our distinction, our, while maintaining our Christ-likeness in order to fulfill our mission in the world. So we are to be in the world, but not of the world, which requires great wisdom, because how much is too much? Where are the lines that we must draw in order to be distinct from the world? Does that require wisdom? Can Christians... I don't know if you've known people who don't watch Harry Potter. Can Christians watch Harry Potter? Well, how about Game of Thrones? Is that something that we can watch? Can Christians um, uh, drink? How much alcohol is too much alcohol? Can Christians play mahjong, play poker, gamble at all, participate in friendly uh, game? Can Christians be obscenely wealthy? What does it mean to be a Christian to follow in the way of Jesus and be wealthy? How much should we give away? 10%, 20%, 30%? Where is that line? 
How do we handle the teachings of the world, L um, LGBTQ and se uh, human sexuality? Or teaching that we're merely uh, just uh, animals, no different from the world. Where is that line? You see, friends, it is difficult to be in the world and not of the world. It requires great wisdom. And my line might be different from your line. In different contexts and different cultures, that line might be different. But this is what we are to remember. We are a holy people. We are holy. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out of darkness into his wonderful light to declare his praise. We have been set apart. Friends, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Live a life that is distinct from this world. I believe in the holy Catholic Church. The second word there is Catholic because we are called to be one. We gather and become one family in Christ. And that's what it means uh, when we say that we believe in the Catholic Church. Catholic means universal here. Although the church manifests itself uh, today in many, many gatherings, millions of gatherings around the world, we confess, the creed recognizes that there's only one church. There's a one body of Christ that we're all united in one. And although here we gather together as divided individuals, that God is doing something special in us. God is making us one. He's gathering us to be a family in Christ. Since the Tower of Babel, humanity has divided into different groups, languages, ethnicities, and that's how we used to live as well. But through Christ, that division is taken away. We saw it on the day of Pentecost. When people speak in different languages, um, we see it here today, people from all nations worshiping together as one body and saying, you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. And again, Paul put it in this way in Ephesians chapter 3, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. He destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. Do you remember in 1989, if you're old enough, you'll remember this great event when the Berlin Wall came down, when this wall that separated this one city into two halves, East and West Germany. When the news came down, people went with the sledgehammer and just took it down. They destroyed it because no longer there were two countries. They were one nation together. Friends, that's what Jesus has done for us. The walls of hostility that we have against other nations, other races, other classes, other edu or educational level, or whatever prejudice that we have, Jesus took a sledgehammer on the cross and took it down, and he has made us a one family in Christ. And that's what we, what we confess when we say there's one Catholic church, one universal church, that God is in this project of making us one family in Christ. In the language of Galatians, there's no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for we're all one in Christ Jesus. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we stop being Chinese or whatever, but it does mean that being a Christian becomes the most fundamental and most important identity that we have. That when we see one another who are different, you know, you might have tattoos and I might not. You know, you might be very different, you might be very well-educated and I might be very uh, uh, not, or very wealthy and very poor. But when we connect and you say, I'm a Christian, well, we are to feel, and I hope you do feel it, in this church when you see other Christians, that you're my brother, you're my sister, you are my family in Christ. Therefore, chapter 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you're called to one hope when you're called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. So let me first point out the obvious here. Oneness is not with God. Yeah, that oneness is with God, but also with one another, with each other. That works of reconciliation of different people as one body, one family in Christ is what God is doing in the church. That's what God is doing here in Shatin Church. So being a lone wolf Christian, being a Christian alone out there is a contradiction in terms. You cannot be a Christian and be alone because God is in this project of making us one through his body, through the church. But of course, living as one family when we're so different is difficult. And so verse 2 tells us that it requires great humility gentleness and love and it tells us once again to make every effort to keep that unity think of it this way god is in this process of a massive adoption project god is adopting different people out there who had no hope no uh, no future and god is bringing each to his own family but say that we come to our church together and we say that you're my brother and you're my sister. We eat from the same table and the communion table. We gather together under the same roof, but we never talk to each other. We never, we never hear about where you're from, what your stories are, what your struggles are. How can we say you're my brother and not know anything about you? How can we say you're my sister and we don't even know each other's names? So today, could I give you permission to look out for people who are here and who plan to sneak out right after the service? Could I give you permission to pursue them and say, no, no, please stay. Let's go downstairs and let's chat over coffee because, you know, God has made you long-lost brother and sister and has reconciled us together as brothers and sisters. And take them out for lunch. Talk to them. It, it, talk to people who are different from you. You know, if you're a Filipino lady, talk to a Kiwi person. Or if you're Chinese, uh, talk to, I don't know, an American. Uh, and do this as often as possible. You see, this is what God's doing in the world through the church. And join a links group. And I'd say commit at least two years. You know, who, it, um, it's difficult um, to bring sinful people together and make a family. It requires at least two years of links group to really get to know each other and like one another. <laughs> so come and join a group and commit to it for a couple of years. You see, our fellowship 
is not just a periphery issue, it's a gospel issue. Because the gospel is reconciliation with God and with one another. The gospel is at stake. But before we move on, let me add one amazing news to this uh, word Catholicity, this understanding of what, uh, what it means to confess that we're a Catholic church. What is the greatest barrier that separates people? It's not actually race. It's not actually uh, language or status. It's actually death, right? Death is the greatest um, barrier, and it's, that's why it's, it's, the mo- some, some, it's the most devastating thing for most people because death ends fellowship. When somebody dies, you think, well, I can never talk to that person again, but not for the Christian. When we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, we believe in the Catholicity of the church, um, uh, church uh, triumphant, the, the church in heaven, and church militant, church here. We believe that we are still in communion with the saints who have gone before us, that we're still one in Christ together. Um, the church, imagine today that we're not just a gathering of a couple of hundred people, We're a gathering of the church, one church across the world. And not only that, there is a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and worshiping with us as well. Friends, we often live our lives and find our meaning in our own little achievements, the things that we do, maybe the job titles that we get, the the school we went to, or the things that we have done, money, amount of money that we make. Uh, And that is our accomplishment and achievement. But friends, what God is doing is building the church. God is building us. And we, as our little individuals, are part of God's big building project. God's project is us. And I hope you'll find meaning in that, being part of what God is doing in the world, in us, in one another. I hope you want to be part of that. Building the church, bringing people to Christ, building one another up in Christ. That is what God's doing, building this holy Catholic church. But of course, but for the church to be one across space and time, it also needs to be built on the same foundation. It needs to be apostolic you know, this is why in Apostles' Creed, it doesn't have the word, but in the Nicene Creed, it'll say Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And I think it's just meant to uh, uh, um, uh, clarify this, because Paul describes the church earlier, back in chapter 2, as God's household or a family built on the same foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. See, the church in order for it to be Catholic, in order for us to be one communion, it must be apostolic. Uh, It must proclaim the same message of the apostles and the prophets that looks back to Jesus Christ as our cornerstone. And of course, these things are recorded for us in the Bible. It must be biblical faith. It must proclaim the faith of the apostles as recorded in the scriptures. You know, this is why the LGBTQ issue is such a tricky modern issue and modern challenge to the church. You know, the ad issue is not uh, treatment of gay and lesbian people. It's more fundamental than that. 
It's really what we think about the Bible, how we interpret the Bible, whether we can depart from historic understanding and historic uh, reading of the Bible together. If we leave it, that's uh, departing from apostolic faith, apostolic understanding. I don't know if you're aware, but last uh, month, early February, the Church of England General Synod passed a motion exploring, to, to, passed a motion to explore blessing of the same-sex union. Now, let me first explain. The decision of the Church of England does not affect us. Although they're Anglicans, uh, we're Anglicans, their decision does not affect us. What happens in the Hong Kong Anglican Church affects us directly and not them. But of course, they're Anglicans, and we are as well. So many of us were disappointed with their decision and what went on. So the St. Andrew's trustees and the clergy have drafted and signed a letter together, and we sent it to the bishops in Hong Kong, urging them not to align themselves with this decision. And the content of the letter had this reminder for them from John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth, and your word is the truth. You know, if we are going to be a church holy and set apart, we need to be sanctified, set apart by the truth. And God's word is the truth. We need to be grounded on the same foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So as important as church unity is, as important as it is to make every effort to make that unity true, that bond uh, through the bond of peace, it has its limits. We must ask, are we building on the same foundation? After all, the New Testament warns us to watch out for false teachers. New Testament continues to exhort us to stand firm in what we have received and not depart from it. And if we do this, if we stand firm in this apostolic faith, of course, we will stand at odds against the culture at different points. If God's word and his standard does not change and the world's standards keeps on changing, in different cultures, different things will stand at odds against God and his word. But the amazing thing is, if we confess this ancient faith, the faith that we've inherited, if we continue to practice uh, what uh, the, the Christian faith and the things that makes us things that make us different from the world, and if we continue to be one together as a church, building on the same foundations of the apostles and the prophets, God's wisdom and His glory will be displayed through people like us. His church isn't something to be ashamed of. God's intent was through the church. His manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the whole world. And some will call the church foolish, outdated, naive, odd. But friends, God's wisdom is being displayed through us. According to the Bible, the church of Jesus Christ is the pre preeminent institution in the whole world. The church is the vessel of God's displaying God's glory, God's wisdom, not only in the earthly realm, but the heavenly realm 
as well. Angels and the spirits up there are watching us, being amazed at what God's doing in and through us. His glory being displayed in the heavenly realm. To love Christ is to love the church. So each week, I hope you will join me as we have done to say, I believe in the holy Catholic church and the communion of saints. Let's pray. Lord, when we look at ourselves and who we are, Lord, we come to be aware of our failings, our sinfulness. But Lord, we thank you that Jesus has set us apart and made us his own, his bride, that he is at work in us. Lord, help us to be people who are set apart, who live different lives uh, from this world. Help us to be truly one. Lord, we pray that when the watching world sees us, they will see our true love for one another, uh, the true glory of God being displayed through us. And may all the glory be through the church and to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.